You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. We've been talking for a little while about having the courage to be you. Now listen, God has a specific plan for your life. He has people that you were ordained to reach. He has needs that you were ordained to meet. He has problems you were ordained to solve. You are not here for no purpose. You have a great destiny in God. He wants to give you a life full of meaning and joy and purpose. But you got to find out what that purpose is. Let's go to Ephesians 2.10 out of the Amplified. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned before for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. That scripture says we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Like a master craftsman, he fashioned you perfectly for the life he has made for you and the life that uh, he made you for. Did you hear me? He fashioned you perfectly for the life he not only created you uh, for you, but the life he created you for. He has great things for you to do. And you have unique giftings, unique graces, unique skills, a unique personality that just perfectly fit that place that he's fashioned for you. Let's go to Psalms 139, verse 1. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Aren't you glad God knows you when you, it's like, you know, Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. (laughs) How many of you know that's just a silly song, but God really does. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. I tell you, when you come and go, he's aware of your movement. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. He knows you so well. He knows what's going to come out of your mouth next. Some of us, that's good news. Some of us, that's scary. You hem me in behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Wow, the hand of God is on your life. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. How many of you know he sees everything? Everything. You can't hide anything from him. I love that. I like that he knows exactly where I am at any given moment. How many of you know you could get out of your bed in the middle of the night and sneak? You could uh, get in your car and not even start it till you're down the street so nobody hears the engine. You could drive that car out into another state in the middle of the wilderness, park your car and hike into the wilderness, climb up into the top of a tree in the dark, and God will say, what are you doing? <laughs> How many of you know he knows exactly where you are? He knows exactly who you are, and he created you for specific purpose. Verse 13. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I tell you, isn't life just the most amazing thing? How can two cells, one from a man and one from a woman, come together? And then they start dividing and becoming different things. And each one knows where to go and what to do. I mean, and they multiply and multiply and multiply until it's a human being. That's amazing. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And your works, Lord, are wonderful. And we know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You know, I love verse 15 in the Amplified. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought as if embroidered with various colors. In the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. How many of you know your gifts and graces and personality were put together by God for specific purpose? It's like unique and, and beautiful, creative things as if someone were creating a tapestry. Have you ever seen someone create a tapestry? It's just beautiful how all of it comes together. You know, but it's so very difficult for us as human beings to acknowledge our uniqueness. Not only to acknowledge, but to accept our uniqueness. You know what? It's okay that you're not exactly like everybody else. It's okay that God created you different than everybody else. You know, I know there's a lot of emphasis, a lot of pressure to be just like everybody else. But the Word of God says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Do not be conformed to this world 
But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One version says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. How many of you know you have a lot of people all day long telling you who you ought to be, what you ought to look like, what your home ought to look like, how your kids ought to act, what if you were a good parent, you'd do this, you know, and am I the only one? You understand what I mean? There's just a lot of pressure on you all the time to be something you're not. Now, there's a, a, an author by the name of John L. Mason, and he has a book entitled, You Were Born an Original, Don't Die a Copy. <laughs> now, look, I've never read the book, so I'm not recommending the book because I haven't read it. I just ran across the title, and it made the point that I'm making uh, to, to right now, which is, You Were Born an Original. You were born unique, beautiful, and special in a good way. Not special, yeah. You're special. You know what I meant. So many times we spend the rest of our life copying other people and trying to be like everybody else. Do you know you can celebrate somebody else's success without feeling like you have to emulate them or be like them? I, you know, I told you last week about my friend who, you know, loves to do dishes and clean house and she grew her own vegetables on her balcony apartment in the city so she could have fresh vegetables and every year she threw out all of her Christmas decorations so she could make them new the next year. How many of you know that is like the antithesis of who I am? <laughs> if I tried to be her, how many of you know I'd just be frustrating the graces on my life? I can admire her. I can appreciate. And, and, and I did. I said to her all the time, oh, my goodness, that's beautiful. How in the world did you make those things? Because I am not crafty. I am a lot of things. Crafty is not among them. I mean, I was watching a show the other night, and everybody was making jewelry, and this girl, her, she glued her hands together. That's kind of how, you know, <laughs> I might be. But I can appreciate and celebrate the gifts and the graces in other people without feeling less than. When you're sure of who you are, you can celebrate the uniqueness of others as well because their success, their uniqueness, their gifts and abilities are no threat to you. It doesn't make you less than that in an area they're more than. Oh my goodness. What would the body of Christ be like if we could just celebrate the uniqueness and the gifts of every one of us? If we could just be okay with who God made us and not feel threatened by anybody else's success.
was talking to a lady in my office one day, and she was telling me about her mother who had recently passed, and she was telling me uh, all about her gifts and graces and the amazing woman that she was. And, uh, you know, she was under such pressure. She kept thinking, you know, maybe I need to be more like my mother was. Maybe I need to stop what I'm doing in this area and pick up what she used to do for our family and what she used to be in our family. But I was able to help her by saying, look, you can love and appreciate and esteem the gifts that were in her and be grateful for her race. But it was her race. It was her course. It was what happened with her gifts and graces and abilities, which are different from yours. So you can admire and appreciate who she was and celebrate her life and the way she was without feeling the pressure to then be her. Every one of us has our own race to run, has our own things to do for God. You can admire the gifts and graces in other people without trying to be them. Listen, if two people are exactly alike, one of them is unnecessary. Did you hear what I said? If two people are exactly alike, one of them is unnecessary. You know, let's just take it down where we live. We human beings are so funny. We marry somebody because they're different from us. When we're serious, they make us laugh. You know, when, uh, or, you know, whatever. But then we spend the rest of our marriage trying to change them. Listen, God said the two would become one, but you're not the one that you're supposed to become. <laughs> I had a friend who married a woman, and he decided if the two were going to become one, he was the one they were going to become. So in his infinite wisdom, he decided she needed to get up early in the morning and go to the gym. So after she went to bed, he'd change her alarm so she could get up and go to the gym before they started their day. He decided she needed to eat more healthfully. So when it came to the restaurant, he would tell her what she could order. Well, how many of you know that's just the height of ignorance? She put up with it for a short while. It was a short while. <laughs> How many of you know when the two become one, it's not him they become. It's not her they become. It's one they create together, each bringing their own strengths and weaknesses into that relationship. I am so glad for the strengths of my husband. I am so glad that he's strong in ways that I'm not. I, this is not a marriage thing. This ain't, none of this is in my notes, okay? 
But it's also okay for him to be him. How many of you know my husband, I mean, you, if you've been here a while, you probably know he is not mechanical. <laughs> if I insisted he fix our car because my dad did, how many of you know we got bigger problems? <laughs> well, I would have died in the explosion that would ensue. <laughs> One day, the flapper in the back of the toilet quit working, and, you know, he figured it out, but he said, don't tell anybody I can do that. <laughs> but he's strong in ways I'm not. He, he loves to shop for clothes. Okay, okay, I can hear him clear over here. I don't love to shop. I love to buy. There's a difference. Okay. I hate either one of them. <laughs> so you know what? His strengths make me go shop. I probably wouldn't shop if he didn't make me. Is that the truth? So he goes and buys and then he makes me go out of guilt. It's a guilt offering. <laughs> okay, I bought three shirts. She's got to buy something. I'm going to feel bad. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. Because if we were both really good shoppers, we'd be in the poor farm. <laughs> Do you understand? If, if he was good at everything, there'd be no reason to hire mechanics. They'd be out of work. Do you understand? Everybody has strengths. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has graces and gifts and abilities that they bring to the world. And it's okay. And if you're not perfect, we already knew it. Just relax. Just relax. Because there's nobody who's perfect. There's nobody who's got it all together in every area. I mean, gosh, God likes variety. Look around. Look at the people sitting around you. No, I mean it. Look. God likes variety. And you know what? I don't know anybody. What is the name of that woman? She's like 52 and they just showed her in a bikini on the TV. And she still looked good. Whoever it was. Yes, yes. It was Heidi Klum, I think. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Because several of them recently. But how many of you know, if, if you don't look like that at 52, it's all right. <laughs> Do you understand? Why do we do what we do? Why do we spend so much time wishing we were different than we are instead of capitalizing on our own strengths and being the unique person that we are? One of the most unique people I know in the world is Dana Schrader. 
Most of you know who she is. That girl is off the wall. One of the first times I was ever around her, we were at a camp meeting in Effingham, Illinois. She fell out in the Holy Ghost on her face and started pecking the ground like she was a chicken. And she was down there maybe 30 minutes, and I guess Ray Jean Wilson, her pastor, got at that time, got tired of looking at her, threw a prayer cloth over her. So she's down there, the prayer cloth is going up and down, you know, and I don't know how long she was down there, maybe an hour. By the time she got up, she was wet with sweat. Her hair was sticking every direction. Uh, I mean, girlfriend's unusual. She tells the funniest stories on herself. You know, she was in a wedding with, who is the? T.L. Osborne, thank you. Uh, and she backed into the candle. <laughs> caught her hair on fire. <laughs> in front of T.L. Osborne, right? So all of a sudden, you know, people are pointing and screaming and yelling. And she realizes she's beating herself on the head. And people are beating her on the head. And only Dana. You just have to know it's only Dana. Dana says stuff in sermons that I don't know very many people who could get away with saying. Mark and I had one of her sermons in the car. We were driving. And she said something so outrageous. I I looked at Mark and he looked at me. He's driving. And we laughed so hard. I said, "She, she she did not just say that. He said, she did. We laughed so hard. He almost had to pull off the road. I had to run it back to make sure I really heard correctly. But how many of you know she reaches people I'll never reach? If you go on her Facebook or whatever all her social media is, she's got billions of people who follow her, who, who, who hang on every word she says because she's unique. And you know what? Viva la difference. <laughs> I celebrate her uniqueness. It's what makes her effective at what she does. She will get you laughing so hard, and then she'll bring the word. Girlfriend, even though she's outrageous, she's crazy, she's Robin Williams in a skirt. (laughs) She's liable to do anything at any given moment. She was in a restaurant with a minister one time, and she said, you want me to get up on the table and do Broadway tunes? And he didn't think she'd do it. He said, sure, don't ever do that. (laughs) She jumped up on the table in the middle of the restaurant and started singing Broadway tunes. When she was done, everybody was just looking at her, and then they were like, mm. <laughs> Girlfriend is wild. She's crazy. She's out there. She's even brash. But she's also wall-to-wall word. Wall-to-wall Holy Ghost has insight on prayer and carries an anointing, loves people, goes after the lost and the backslidden and the broken and the downtrodden. She's an amazing woman of God. 
and she's just able to be her. What if all of us could just be us full of God? You only better. God so desires for you to just embrace who you are, who he made you. Psalms 139 verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All of my days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. God has prearranged and made ready a good life for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What are God's plans for you? Put that scripture back up, guys. What is God's plans for you? To prosper you. His plan for you, when you're just you, full of him, will prosper you. Prosper you. That word prosper means to cause, to succeed, or thrive. That's what I want to do. And that's what I want you to do, is succeed and thrive and be the best you that you can be. He said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The message says, plans to give you the future you hope for. He's got a good plan for your life. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. You're his workmanship. You're his workmanship. You know, Pastor Mark, uh, I don't know why I'm talking about all his stuff tonight. I'm sorry. He'll get the mic on Sunday, so <laughs> turn about his fair play, I guess. But He was invited to a minister's meeting when the church was very small. I mean, like just had started. Only been going for a short time, maybe a few months, really. And uh, he was invited to a minister's meeting with all these ministers that he had respected and known from Rama. I mean, there were some big dogs at that meeting, you know, uh, when he felt like he was just not even hardly a pup, you understand? So he got invited to this meeting and he went and he said the night before he went, there was one lady in the service, one lady in the Sunday night service. And he said, I went to that meeting thinking I don't have a church. I don't even have a women's Bible study. You know, it takes more than one woman to have a women's Bible study. I didn't even have a women's Bible study. I don't have a church. So he gets to this meeting and they're all praying. All these ministers get together and they pray. And uh, uh, this well-known minister came up and he said, Brother, I heard you started a church. I want to come minister at your church. He said, I just walked away. Because he thought, I don't have a church. I, you can't come to my church. I can't afford to give you a good offering, you know. I just I just have these few sheep. And another minister came up to him and said, you know, uh, I heard you started church. I want to come to your church. He just basically walked away. 
Well, he went, uh, a third man came up. Another minister here in the state of Alabama, he, he at that time was pastoring a relatively large church, and he said, uh, I want to come to your church and bless you. I want to help you, uh, and I want to come. And um, he saw Mark's face, and Mark tried to walk away, and he said, look, I didn't say that because I'm looking for some place to preach. He said, I really feel like I need to come to your church, and Mark is like, okay. So he said he got on the airplane to come home, and another minister was on his flight and started back towards him. And he thought, Lord, not another one. Please, you know. But the man came back and gave him some money, I think, and uh, just, you know, tried to encourage him a little bit, and then he went back to his seat. But Mark said when the man got up out of that airplane seat, somebody else came and sat down. And that was the Holy Ghost. And the Lord said to him, you always say, I sent you there to start that church. Is that right? He said, yes, sir. He said, you always say this is my church. Is that right? He said, yes, sir. He's having a conversation with the Holy Ghost. God said to him, then why are you ashamed of what I'm doing? Why are you ashamed of who he made you? Why do we spend so much time thinking we're not enough? I'm never going to be enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to have what it takes to succeed. Why are we ashamed of what he did? Now listen, I'm not talking about you just yielding to the weaknesses of your flesh. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Because first, any, put Ephesians 2.10 back up there, guys. We are God's own handiwork. You are his handiwork. You are his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. How many of you know before you can fully realize who you are and who he created you to be, you have to be recreated in Christ Jesus and born anew? Because yes, he put gifts and graces and abilities on the inside of us. But how many of you know they all need to be sanctified? Because without him, even some of our strengths become great detriment. Because we take them too far and we use them selfishly. When I say you should acknowledge, embrace, and even celebrate your uniqueness, I'm talking about the sanctified you. The one that was recreated in Christ Jesus and born anew when you got born again. All of our personality traits have to be sanctified. You may have been born with a quick temper. Or maybe, you know, all of us were born selfish and self-absorbed. But that's not who we are now. Because we didn't just get born. Born. We got born again too. Amen. You didn't just get born naturally. Now you also got born again into new life. 
The first step towards finding out who he created you to be and living the good life he's ordained for you is you getting born again. Luke 15, 7. Thus I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one especially wicked person who repents, changes his mind, abhorring his errors and misdeeds, listen, and determines to enter upon a better course of life than over 99 righteous persons who have no need of repentance. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're an especially bad sinner. It's only in Christ that you're going to find the good life that he's ordained for you. It's only in, in being born again and being in relationship with him that you're going to find your purpose and your true meaning in life. You're not going to find it in the middle, uh, at the end of a needle. You're not going to find it at the bottom of a bottle. You're not going to find it in illicit relationship after illicit relationship. He created you for better. He created a better course for your life than maybe you're living now without him. But the good news is you can change. You can be recreated in Christ Jesus and find the purpose that your maker had when he created you. The second step is now letting Christ live through us. Letting Christ live through us. The first is that we were recreated. Now we need to let him live through us. Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life we now live is not us living for ourselves, but letting Christ live through us. You, the real you, just being full of God. Just being in relationship with your creator and being who you are full of him. What could you accomplish just being who you are, full of him? Ephesians 5.15 in the Amplified. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit. Glory to God. When you accept and celebrate who you are and who he created you to be, and you just start living for him and being real and letting him live through you, you'll be shocked and amazed at the peace you have, at the freedom that brings, and the productivity of your life. Sometimes we spend so much time trying to just be supernatural. I just got to be supernatural. I got to. No, you need to be supernatural. Supernatural. Natural being who you really are. But with his super living in you. He adds his super onto your natural. And you become an explosive force for God. Live full of the Holy Ghost, letting Christ live in you every day, everywhere you go. You know, so many people, they have at least two lives. They have their sacred life and their secular life. Even some ministers do. But how many of you know that's not what God wants for us? We are one person, Sunday in church and Monday in your home. I'm pleased to say Mark is the same man in our home on Monday as he is in the pulpit on Sunday. Too many ministers can't say that. I was telling the School of Ministry students about a TV show that came on one afternoon when I was home. I'm not hardly home during the day ever, but one afternoon, I don't know if it was my day off or what, but I happened to be home. And, you know, back a, a few, maybe a year ago, Kenneth Copeland came on at one o'clock and I'd watch him on a certain channel. And after him came Andrew Womack and I'd watch him. And then after that came paternity court. <laughs> and I was doing something in the other room after Andrew Womack and I didn't get the channel changed fast enough. So all of a sudden, paternity court comes blaring into my home, right? That's where they're trying to find a baby daddy. You understand? Uh, and so it caught my interest, though, because a lady was there bringing suit against her pastor. So the pastor, in his testimony, he said, you know, I'm, I went to this church and... Uh, I went to this woman's house to have a Bible study with her. <laughs> How many of you know that was his first mistake? Well, it wasn't his first one, but it was a big one. And he said, you know, we ended up sleeping together and having a physical relationship. And he said, then she tells me she's pregnant. She thinks it's mine. He said, but listen, Judge, she ain't nothing but a hoe. Now, he's on, this is a, a pastor on TV talking about the sheep that he slept with while he was there having a Bible study. And he said, now I'm just a man of God with needs. But she's a hoe. And I was thinking, it is a miracle of God, my man, that I cannot come through that TV. 
because I'd have, I'd have jumped on him, wrestled him to the floor, and pummeled him. <laughs> how dare you? A, how dare you sleep with a woman that you're in her home allegedly to have a Bible study with? You're supposed to be the man of God. She's a sheep. It's just, he's lucky. I honestly thought about looking him up. Do you know how bad he made our profession look? I told the school of ministry students, if you ever act anything like that, I'm coming for you. I am coming for you. You ought not live one, ministers ought not live one way in the pulpit. And another way in somebody's home or in their home or anywhere they are. And he did end up being a baby daddy, just for the record. <laughs> but how many of you know we are not one person? We're not, and you shouldn't be either. One person in church and another person on your job on Monday. In your home. No, if you come here and you worship God on Sunday, you should worship him by living the same way this on Monday. And being the same person Monday through Saturday that you are on Sunday when you're here in the room. Living your life that way is an act of worship to him. I don't understand people who 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 compartmentalize their lives. Well, Sunday is the Lord's day and I serve the Lord on Sunday, but I serve myself Monday through Saturday. You're just kidding yourself. You're not serving God at all. You're giving him a few hours and a tip. Be you. But be the best you, the sanctified you, the you that let, lets Christ live through you. When Christ lives through you, you live the way he would live, honestly, uprightly, with integrity and honor. You know, I was in a restaurant. We had a guest speaker in, and we were at a restaurant very late at night. That late, there was very few places open, and I think we were at Friday's, um, which I probably shouldn't have said where we were because of what I'm about to say. <laughs> but um, we were in this restaurant <laughs> that shall remain nameless. <laughs> late at night, and um, I excused myself. I, I had to use the girls' room. You know, I had to use the restroom, so I excused myself from the table, and As I was walking through the tables near the restroom, I happened to glance down and there was this huge roll of money. I mean, a bigger roll of money than I've ever seen in my life. There had to be thousands and thousands of dollars all rolled up together with rubber bands and just on the floor. And so um, 
what did I do? Did I throw it in my purse and sing, Oh, glory! My God has supplied all of my needs. Had my own revival right there by the restroom. No. I went and found a wait person. And I said, can you come with me? And they're looking at me and I said, I think you need to see something before somebody else does. So I took him over there and they were like, oh, I don't know what happened. But he's like, oh, my goodness, thank you. And so I went on to the restroom, and then I came back to the table, and the manager came over later, and, and he thanked me. And I think he bought us dessert or something crazy. We were with Joe Morris. I don't remember what he bought us, but I think he bought us a dessert or something. But my point is this. When those opportunities come, you let Christ live through you. You do what Christ would do in that situation. What would Christ have done? I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want my fingerprints on it. I didn't want no video of me going over to it in case there was a few bucks missing. You understand what I'm saying? I was just like, hey, yo. Because it was the right thing to do. Instead of us trying so hard always to be something we're not, just be you, but you full of God. What can God accomplish with you full of God? Even with all your faults and your failings and your weaknesses, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He just expects you to be sincere. And to be real. Do, do you understand? If God is opposed to using imperfect flesh, he has a terrible system. Because that's all there is, is imperfect flesh. I make mistakes. I do things I wish I could take back. I say things I wish I could take back. You know, I, all I can do then is own it. Gosh, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't mean that. That came out wrong. Or, you know, I, I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. What is that? That's being real. But really full of God. Proverbs 3, 5, NIV. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not just when you're at church. Not just when you're doing something religious. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? That means when you're on the golf course, you acknowledge him. By not shaving all the points off. Was that five strokes? No, I think it was three. No, if it was five strokes, then just be honest. You messed up. Do you understand? 
In all your ways, acknowledge him. When you're in traffic, acknowledge him. Oh, yeah. When you're waiting to get into the arsenal, acknowledge him. When you're in that board meeting, acknowledge him. When you run into a problem in your work, I have a really great idea. Acknowledge him. He can help you. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You don't have to be weird or act weird or carry a 50-pound Bible to work with you. One of them big family Bibles that people put on our coffee table. How many of you know you don't have to be a witness by carrying that in every day? I don't think they're going to be the least bit impressed. But they might be impressed with your honor and your integrity and your kindness and your love and just letting him live through you. In the message it says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, my goodness, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health and your very bones will vibrate with life. Glory to God. I like that. When you acknowledge him in all of your ways and everything that you do, and you give place to him in your life. He, the, the word of God there says, your body will glow with health and your very bones will vibrate with his life. Glory to God. What a way to live. So full of God, you glow. So full of God. That he can use you to touch somebody else's life. How long does it take for you to show kindness to somebody? For you to show love? For you to let him live through you? He just wants you to be you, full of him. Just be you, full of him. Just be you, full of him. He's got so many things he'll arrange to make your life so valuable, so worth living. Ephesians 2.10 out of the Amplified. 
For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Listen, just relax and be you, but be you full of him. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this room full of unique servants of the Most High God. Father, I know your hand is upon them. Your spirit is within them. And everywhere they go, you desire to manifest your peace, your presence, your glory, your healing power, your wisdom. Everywhere they go, all of that goes. Father, I know you're ever ready to just be a part of their everyday lives, everywhere they go, everything they do, as they acknowledge you, as they yield to you, as they yield to your spirit, letting you live through them and just being who they are. Miracles will be wrought. Satan's work will be undone. And heaven will be increased. Father, deliver us from the pressure to be something we're not. From that pressure that makes us feel like we're not enough. That what you created us to be isn't enough. Or, or that we have to be like other people. Or we have to fit stereotypes or molds. Father, you created us unique. Help us to live our life using our unique gifts and graces and abilities for your glory. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know him so you too can make him known.